my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning. Are you excited? This is a new room. I, uh, I don't know if you can tell. I, I certainly can tell. I spent the last week in Montana. You guys may or may not know I worked four out of the five days I was there. I took one day off. It was amazing. It was nice. Uh, you may or may not know whether you listen to the show or not before I took a week off. Um, I was staying up all night. It was finals. I just moved. So I went to Montana. I moved. I came back. And I was planning to do the comeback episode on Friday. And that just, I realized driving home from Montana, it was unrealistic. I left Montana at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. I got home from Montana to Portland at about 6 in the morning. So that means I had to sleep, then set up my room. I did that all weekend and whatever. I'm excited. I I think I have a long, extra long podcast for you guys today. And that's what usually happens. If I take a day off or a little bit of time off, the next episode back, because I will have been writing, will have been working anyways, is a little bit full of extra content. And that is what today's episode is. Oh, man. The NBA playoffs have been amazing, by the way. I, I just I cannot say enough about sports when the outcome matters. When winning matters, oh, my God, it's so good. That's why I struggle to get into baseball this time of year. I, I just It doesn't seem to matter. But the NBA playoffs are great. I mean, you have, you have four games guaranteed, and it's a battle. A God is a fight. Um, so I did take a day off. While I was in Montana, I took a day off, and I wrote a lot. And here's one of the things I wrote about, because I want to, before we get into the show, before we get into LeBron James, before we get into everything, I, I just want to send a message because I, I have very strong opinions. I say what I believe. I believe what I say. I, I'm very honest. I'm authentic. I try to be very honest with everything I say. And I've learned something that I need to defend myself on. I'm not a hater. I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anything. And I cannot and I will not change what I say because it makes people angry. I'm not going to compromise who I am. I'm not going to compromise my opinions because of angry commenters or this or that. I, I'm just not going to. I, I believe what I say. I say what I believe. My goal is not to piss people off. I don't try to make people angry. Uh, but the last thing I can worry about is whether or not I'm making people angry. That's just not my... I, I can't do that. I have to say exactly what I believe. I have to be authentic. And that is what I do on this show. Again, you know, I, I, I'm very honest. I try to be authentic. My goal is to be interesting. I hope you guys are well aware. I'm not trying to be right. I make predictions all the time. I know sometimes I'm wrong. Whether you agree with what I have to say or not, I really hope that you are entertained and you find my content interesting. That's my goal. I want to be interesting. I'm here to say what I believe. I'm not here to make you feel warm and fuzzy. And short term, that may hurt me. You know, I have a lot of Giants fans right now that are so angry at me. And that's fine with me. But this approach, this being honest, this being authentic, this dedication to what I believe, that I think long-term is a better investment. I'm saying exactly what I believe. So I promise to you, for the future, I will always be authentic. I will always be honest and I will always say what I believe. I will never sell out. I will never compromise simply because people get angry or infuriated. So my goal is to be interesting. And whether or not you agree with me, I hope that this show, especially this episode in particular, you will find entertaining. We have a huge show today. We have this, this podcast is kind of broken up into two giant segments. The first segment is all about LeBron. The first half of this show is all about LeBron James. The second half is a lot more 
of the normal show where we're going to talk about Baker Mayfield. I have an argument finally supporting the Browns drafting Baker Mayfield. It's an argument in favor of Baker Mayfield. Maybe why drafting Baker Mayfield was a good idea. We're also going to discuss the idea of should Oklahoma City, should the Oklahoma City Thunder trade away Russell Westbrook? Eh, we'll find out. I'll tell you what I would do. And that's that's what I think will be fun is I'll, I'll give both sides of the argument and then say what I believe. We're going to talk about the Yankees. We're going to talk about a lot of other fun stuff, lots of football coming up. But again, the first half of the show will be all about my man, LeBron James. So I want to, I want to start with this. <clears throat> I think to start the podcast, I want to take you guys to the Tri-Cities. The Tri-Cities is a place in eastern Washington. And I, I know a guy who recently graduated college and he got a job in the Tri-Cities. He's working for a content, a digital content distributor covering high school sports. He's covering high school sports. And a key to that is digital content distributor. That does not mean television. That means it's like, lo- like live streams of high school track and field and high school JV basketball. It's crap. It's not an ideal job. It's not a job I would want in a million years. So I hope this guy who just graduated, he got this job. I hope he goes on to find a better job because that's what I believe in. I believe you need to go find a better life. Go after a better life. Go be happier. Go get better help. If your team sucks, go get a better group of people to work with. For example, I'm in the process of transferring college. It's not because it, not because the people I'm working with suck, but I think that Montana State would be a better fit for me than at Washington State where I currently go to school. I think I will be more successful in a different situation. And that is exactly why I support LeBron James leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because that job in the Tri-Cities, that job is horrible. It's not on TV. He's going to be driving all over Timbuktu, that kid is, writing about, again, JV track. Nobody wants to do that. Is it better than a desk job? Yes. Working in the Tri-Cities, working for a digital content distributor, still sports. And you could make the same argument, well, the Cleveland Cavaliers, that's better than the Nets, but is the Nets the goal? No, the Nets is not the goal. LeBron James can find a better fit somewhere else. I think that's pretty obvious. No one, no one watching or listening is arguing with me right now. No one's saying, I'm outraged. How could you say he can find better than Cleveland? Everybody believes he can find better than Cleveland. LeBron James can find somewhere he will be more successful. But I think it's a very important place to start for this whole podcast as I believe LeBron James can do better than Cleveland. I support 100% LeBron James if and when he decides to leave Cleveland. Again, LA is a bigger brand. If you add Paul George with the Lakers, LeBron James and Paul George could win a lot with Brandon Ingram. Or if you add LeBron James to the Houston Rockets, you know, there there would be three superstars. You'd have James Harden, Chris Paul, and LeBron James. That team, that Rockets team would have a chance at a title. Now, Cleveland, Cleveland's not the worst. But Cleveland feels like a stepping stone. Cleveland feels like the Tri-Cities. It's not a job you want to be at very long. It's just a part of the process on your way up to the top. So I absolutely support LeBron James. If and when he decides to leave Cleveland, I support LeBron James going to go and find a better situation. I I think it's so important because there are two steps to this. We're going to get to LeBron James further down the road, but I think this is the next step we have to talk about is... Wherever LeBron James goes next, wherever LeBron James goes next, if I were LeBron James, I would only sign a one-year deal. 
In fact, for the rest of my career, if I'm LeBron James, I would only sign one-year deals from here on out. <clears throat> I mean, let's, let's be very honest about Cleveland this, uh, this season. The narrative all season about the Cleveland Cavaliers has been, it feels like the Cavaliers have no shot to win a championship. Is that controversial? It shouldn't be. All year I've heard about how the Rockets maybe can beat the Warriors. No one's real, realistically saying, hmm, you know, maybe the Cavs can beat the Warriors. Nobody believes that. <clears throat> so why is LeBron James in this situation? LeBron James is in a situation where he has no shot to win the finals. Because in 2016, LeBron James signed a two-year deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the 2016-2017 season, that was great. That was a great year. He had Kevin Love, he had Kyrie, and LeBron James, whether he won or not, he had a shot at the title. It was, it was believable, you know, maybe LeBron James can beat the Warriors. But this year, in 2017, 2018, that season, Kyrie Irving left. And Kevin Love was often hurt. And you know, the Cavs hardly had a shot. Nobody believed. You know, I think the Cavaliers can win the championship. Nobody believed that. The clock is ticking on LeBron James' career. He only has so much time left. And LeBron's legacy does not have time for another wasted season without a shot to win a title. It's just the truth. It's the truth. You can't have LeBron James doing what he did this year ever again. It's just not, it's not helpful for him. Because what if LeBron James goes to the Houston Rockets next year? He signs a two-year deal. And in year one, Chris Paul flames out. And then in year two of his contract, LeBron James is stuck in a situation with no chance to win a title. If I'm LeBron James, I would only sign one-year deals from here on out. I, I just, I'm not going to take that risk. I'm not going to take the risk of being trapped in a situation like he's in right now. Does every decision LeBron James makes now, between now and the time he retires, everything LeBron James needs to do is about winning championships. Where can I go? What can I do to win a championship? Obviously, it was before, but now more than ever, his legacy depends on winning championships. LeBron James must win more championships if he's ever going to be considered the greatest of all time. Because it's not just winning championships. Everything LeBron James does from here on out is about how and how can I and what can I do? What can I do? For people to consider me to be the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, last night, let's talk about last night. <clears throat> because last night, the Golden State Warriors beat the Houston Rockets 119 to 106, a little over uh, 20 points, or a little less than 20 points. I think it's, what is that, like a 15 point win, I think? I think I'm, I don't know. Math is too complicated for me. The point is, um, in Houston, the Rockets last night lost to the Warriors. This was their big game. Game one was this, the one game the Rockets probably had to win. This game meant more to the Rockets than the Warriors. And the, the Rockets gave everything they had to the Warriors, and they still couldn't make it happen. You know why last night was so interesting? Why last night the Rockets losing to the Warriors was so interesting? The reason why is that this series between the Rockets and the Warriors... It will forever impact LeBron James' legacy. Because normally, the Rockets would be the favorite. And most 
years in the NBA, in most years in the history of the NBA, a team like the Rockets would be the favorite to win the NBA Finals. A team like the Rockets normally would be the favorite to win a championship. I mean, they, they, were, they had a 65-17 and 17 record. They had the best record in the Western Conference, and the Western Conference is the tougher conference. They have a superstar, Chris Paul. They have another superstar, James Harden. He is this year's MVP. You would think, of course the Rockets are going to win it all. And normally you would feel that way, but not in 2018. Not this year. Not when a team like the Golden State Warriors exists. Because the Warriors have been to three straight NBA Finals. This will be their fourth. Let's be honest. They're going to win. This will be the fourth time in a row the Golden State Warriors have been to the Finals. They have four All-Stars. They have the best shooter ever. The best shooter ever. Steph Curry. The second best player in the the league. The second best player probably in the world. Kevin Durant. They have a perennial all-star and an excellent defender, Draymond Green. They also have Klay Thompson, who's a great defender. He can shoot threes. He's an all-star year in and year out. So last night, when the Warriors beat the Rockets 119-106, to my first question was, how quickly is this going to go down? How quickly are the Warriors going to take care of the Houston Rockets? How quickly will the Warriors beat the Rockets? Here's my point. <clears throat> If the Warriors beat the Rockets in four games, if the Warriors sweep the Rockets, it's going to make LeBron James look better. So the reason is, whenever LeBron James and Michael Jordan are compared to each other, I always hear about, you know, Michael Jordan's competition was so much greater than LeBron's. Michael Jordan played all these legendary players. Mm, Well, Michael Jordan never had to play the Golden State Warriors. Michael Jordan never faced a team with four all-stars, two of them being superstars, two of them being incredible, earth-shattering, world-famous players. That's, Michael Jordan never played a team like that. Name a team that Michael Jordan played against that had potentially four Hall of Famers. You can't. You can't do it. Certainly not one that he beat anyways. Michael Jordan never played a team like the Golden State Warriors. In fact, the one team that's compared to these Warriors, the one team that everyone says could be the greatest team of all time, might be better than the Golden State Warriors, is the 95 Bulls that Jordan played on. <laughs> if you remember, the 95-96 Chicago Bulls had Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, and of course, Michael Jordan. And people have trashed LeBron over and over and over again. People always say, LeBron James, he had to leave to win a championship. He had to go team up with other players, and that diminishes his championship. Um, well, Michael Jordan just got lucky. He, he got drafted to the Chicago Bulls, who would go on to become a super team. The Bulls were the first super team. Of all the super teams we've ever seen in the NBA, Michael Jordan played on the first. And it seems like people are constantly changing the rules for Michael Jordan. People are always saying... You know, here's the finish line. Let's move it a little farther to make it harder on LeBron James, which is fine with me. I don't care. If you're going to be the greatest of all time, you should be able to withstand every single argument you can come up with. If LeBron James ever is truly to be the greatest basketball player of all time, you should be able to throw everything you can think of at him, and he should be like, no, I'm good. Just bounces right off him. But here is what drives me nuts about the LeBron James 
Michael Jordan debate. Some people have decided that no matter what LeBron James does, he will never, ever have a chance to beat Michael Jordan. Some people have said the door is closed and it will never open. And I think that's an unhealthy way to believe. I think you should be willing to have an open mind. It's bad in politics. It's bad in every world. If no matter what someone says, I always say you're wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a debate. I'm not going to listen. You can't have a debate. You can't have an argument. There's nothing there. You cannot have a debate with people who say the door is closed on LeBron James. Personally, me, I, I think it's a fun conversation to have. I enjoy the debate. Now, for some people, though, if you bring up Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, if you bring that even up at all, for some people, it's like I talked about politics or like I talked about religion. Some people are just unwilling to have that conversation. They shut it down. They can't talk about it. It's like I lit them on fire. You just can't do it. And what I really notice about the Michael Jordan versus LeBron James debate is that it's really divided by generation. The older generation says Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. And the younger generation who didn't weren't around for Michael Jordan, all of those people say LeBron James, look at the stats. LeBron James is clearly the greatest basketball player of all time. Now notice something very, very important. I have not stated my opinion. I'm not going to state my opinion until far later down the road. I'm just going to give you a lot of evidence for, for both sides, for Michael Jordan and for LeBron James. And eventually I'll tell you what I believe. But I want to remind you of two things before we get into this, before we get into LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, there are two things the older generation must remember. First of all is this. Remember Be Like Mike? Remember the greatest ad campaign of all time? Michael Jordan was tied to what is probably the greatest ad campaign ever. Be Like Mike, the little the dance, the song, everything. It was borderline brainwashing. It was brilliant. It was amazing. But that ad campaign has been something that never, ever left people. It, again, borderline brainwashed people that Michael Jordan is the greatest thing of all time. It borderline brainwashed people that Michael Jordan is somewhat of a god. The other part. So the first part is the ad campaign. The second part is nostalgia. The power of nostalgia. That is what people always think about when they remember Michael Jordan. Because everything from when we were kids, everything is always better from when we were kids. You ever go back and watch a television show you loved when you were a child? It's never quite as good. Or the other day, I was, so I was in Montana recently. And my favorite game growing up was a game called Turok. It was a, a first-person shooter. And I always remember how amazing this game was. You could shoot dinosaurs. You were an Indian. It was awesome. And I played it while I was in Montana last week. Mm, it sucks. It, it, I hate to say it. I still love it. But Turok is out of date. It's not good. It's got bad controls, terrible graphics. The reality is most video games in 2018 are better. In fact, most, especially with a first-person shooter, because back in the day, you're using one joystick. Now they've evolved, and the games are literally better. The control scheme works better now. The point is often things from our childhood we remember as great. Now, I want to point out Ocarina of Time, Zelda, that, that game holds up. That game is perfect. <clears throat> but, but again, the point is, when we are nostalgic about things from our childhood, that often we often give those things a certain kind of power. We hold things from our childhood in a higher regard than they maybe deserve. 
And and that I believe is something that's happening with Michael Jordan. Here's what's interesting about the Michael Jordan LeBron James debate. I don't know, it's interesting or, or it's infuriating. It's something that bothers me. As people say, because let's be honest, LeBron James is going to retire with better stats. LeBron James is going to retire with more points, more assists. He already has more rebounds and more assists. He's going to retire with more points, better seasons for longer. Le- LeBron James' stats are going to blow Michael Jordan's out of the water. But the older generation often says this. The, the generation older than me often says, you just had to be there. You had to be there to get it. And since you weren't there, you'll never understand. I mean, obviously, I disagree. I don't like this, this reasoning. But I got I to gotta point out, I was not alive when Abraham Lincoln was alive. Abraham Lincoln is the 16th president of the United States. He ended the Civil War. He freed the slaves. I know that really the truth is that when he died, the Civil War ended. But point is, I did not need to be alive to appreciate how great of a president Abraham Lincoln was. I can appreciate what Abraham Lincoln did, who Abraham Lincoln was, without being around for that. I don't need to be alive to appreciate that. And it's a silly argument to say, you know what? You weren't alive. You didn't see Michael Jordan play live on television, so you just don't get it. The argument that I had to be there, and if you weren't there, you just won't get it. That's silly, and that's wrong, right? It just doesn't make any sense. I'm well aware Michael Jordan was incredible. I've watched him play. He's, 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 he's a more talented scorer than LeBron James, 100%. I'll give you that. He was on the Dream Team. He was in, that, he was in Space Jam. He was one of the first world sports icons around the world. Michael Jordan was one of the first people that you could say anywhere in the globe, oh yeah, I know who Michael Jordan is. But to say that I have no idea, to say that people, because you never saw Michael Jordan, you just can't get it. That, that's a very silly argument in my opinion. But to say that LeBron James could never ever pass Michael Jordan, to say that the door is closed, that's probably the more worrisome one. Is And the other big argument is this. So I don't like when people say you had to be there. I don't like when people say, you know, the door is closed. There's just no argument and it'll never, nothing LeBron James ever does can compare to Michael Jordan. Now, the last argument everyone makes for Michael Jordan is this. Everyone always says, we'll never forget Michael Jordan was 6-0 in NBA championships. Michael Jordan never lost an NBA championship. And they say, well, look at LeBron. LeBron, he's been to eight. He lost five of them. LeBron James is only three and five in the NBA finals. And that's one that, and I'll be honest too. At the end of this year, LeBron James will be three and six. He's going to lose the finals again this year. So in the NBA finals, LeBron James at the end of this year will be three and six, where Michael Jordan is six and oh. Michael Jordan will have won the finals six times. LeBron James will have won only three times. But what I hate about this argument, they're like, oh, it's special because Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. No, you're right. He lost before ever reaching the finals. He didn't even take his team as far as he could have. He lost before he could. Punishing LeBron James simply because he lost in the finals is a very, very silly thing to do. Because LeBron James got farther. What what do you want him to do? (laughs) They're going to lose to the Warriors. So do you want LeBron James to tell his team, you know what? 
because my finals record is going to take a hit and because we have no chance to beat the Warriors, screw it. We're going to stop. We're not going to try to beat the Celtics. We're going to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals so my legacy doesn't get hurt. No way. You go as far as you can until you can't anymore. And six times Michael Jordan did that and he won. Other times Michael Jordan did that and he lost. If you add it up, Michael Jordan was six and seven. Six times he won a championship, seven times he did not. See, punishing LeBron James is silly. So I did the math. Michael Jordan and LeBron James both have played at the end of this year 15 seasons each. Now, I only counted 13 of the 15 seasons because when LeBron James was a rookie and his sophomore year, he was 19 and 18, he didn't make the playoffs. So I took away two years from LeBron James. I also took away two seasons from Michael Jordan because his last two years, he didn't make the playoffs. He was a shell of his former self. He was 20 years older than Michael Jordan, than LeBron James. He was 38 and 39. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to take two years off a LeBron James record when he didn't make the playoffs, I'll also take two years off of Michael Jordan's record when Michael Jordan didn't make the playoffs. So that leaves us with 13 seasons that LeBron James made the playoffs and 13 seasons that Michael Jordan made the playoffs. So after 13 seasons, Michael Jordan is six and seven. Michael Jordan won the finals six times. He did not win the finals seven times. After 13 seasons, in contrast, LeBron James is 3-10. and 10. He won the finals three times. He did not win the finals 10 times. I don't care about losing in the finals specifically. We just have to point out you lost, whether you lost at the end of the season or you lost earlier in the semifinals or the Eastern Conference finals. You lost. You won the championship or you didn't. I'm so sick of this argument that because Michael Jordan never lost a finals, he never lost, so he's somehow superior. That's silly and makes no sense to me. I don't get it. You either won the finals or you didn't. Do not give me the undefeated BS. That's just silly. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. So after 15 seasons, Michael Jordan won six championships. LeBron James won three. But if you're going to argue about total number of championships, does that kind of diminish Michael Jordan? I think so. Because then you point to, well, Bill Russell has 11. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has six. I mean, eh, other people have won more championships than Michael Jordan or the same number of championships. What makes Michael Jordan's championships quote-unquote special is he never lost one. I just, I don't know. I don't agree with that because, again, he lost before even getting there. How can you punish a guy for going as far as he can and losing when Michael Jordan didn't even make it to the finals? If LeBron, if Michael Jordan had been in the other conference, he would have lost to the Pistons over and over and over again. But he never had to go to the finals because he kept losing to the Pistons before even getting there. Now, I think I would, I like Michael Jordan's six championships more than like Bill Russell's. Bill Russell played in a different NBA, right? That's fine, whatever. But the point is, after 13 years in the playoffs, 15 total seasons, LeBron James has three championships. Michael Jordan has six. Uh, the difference is that Michael Jordan retired after 15 years. LeBron James is just going to keep on going. He's just going to keep on cranking out great year after great year after great year. And so what's more impressive to me? I, I, I don't know. What, what about you? I don't know. But I'll say this, that if 
LeBron James keeps going at the pace he's at, and he does ultimately win six championships, that'll do it for me. If LeBron James can somehow win six championships, maybe seven, maybe impossible, I don't know. But if he can, that would convince me, oh, he is the greatest player of all time, even though it took him longer. And that's why some people, some people have decided no matter what Michael Jordan does, sorry, no matter what LeBron James does, some people have decided no matter what LeBron James does, he will never pass Michael Jordan. Even if LeBron James wins just as many championships as Michael Jordan, they'll say, took him longer and he lost finals where Michael Jordan never did. So I give up. I'm not going to try to convince anyone of anything. I'm not going to try. Some people have made up their mind and that's, that's fine with me. I will say LeBron James, regardless of how you feel, has played his best, has played at his peak for longer than Michael Jordan. Again, 15 years and counting and 15 years in LeBron James is still the best player in the world. By Michael Jordan's 15th season, he wasn't even making the playoffs. He'd played baseball. He'd retired twice. It was a mess. And don't forget, Michael Jordan, LeBron James will have more points than Michael Jordan all time. He will have more assists than Michael Jordan all time, more rebounds. And at the end of 15 seasons, this is where they end up. Because at the end of, they've now played 15 regular seasons. Michael Jordan has and LeBron James has. LeBron James has a slightly better shooting percentage, a better three-point percentage. He has... 3,000 more assists than Michael Jordan. He has 2,000 more rebounds than Michael Jordan. The only category statistically that Michael Jordan has, I think he's beat him in steals, and I think Michael Jordan has more points. Michael Jordan has, I know this for a fact, Michael Jordan has 32,000 points, where LeBron James only has 31,000. Only. As if, oh, oh no, he only scored 31,000. So, to me, LeBron James not done. He's He's got much more to go. And... The point of all this is to say that when people say you weren't there, that's a bad argument. And when they say, you know, he was undefeated in championships, that's also silly. So I, I was not there for Abraham Lincoln. I can appreciate Abraham Lincoln. And the reason why Michael Jordan being undefeated in championships is silly because he lost before he even got there. If, if he was in a different conference, if anything had gone differently... Michael Jordan would not have won a final. Does that make sense? He, he lost to the Pistons, whether he lost before or he lost in the finals. He would have lost regardless. Plus, Michael Jordan never had to play the Golden State Warriors. In fact, so LeBron James had to play the Golden State Warriors over and over again. He's lost to them many times. Michael Jordan not only had never had to play against a team as good as the Golden State Warriors, often people regard Michael Jordan's team, the 95 Bulls, as the greatest team of all time. I don't think so anymore. I think this current Warriors team is better than them. Probably last year's Warriors team is the greatest team of all time. But the point is, LeBron James has never had the greatest team of all time. Michael Jordan did. He began super teams. And we punished LeBron James for losing before the final, losing in the finals. And we don't punish Michael Jordan for losing before. My last anecdote. My last thing I'm going to leave you with. I know this has been a very long topic. <clears throat> Never forget that in 2015, when the Warriors broke Michael Jordan's record, the Golden State Warriors won 73 games. They were 73-9. They broke Michael Jordan's team's record for wins in the regular season. Three guys, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving, beat them. <laughs> LeBron James beat, statistically, the greatest regular season team of all time. 
So I don't think you can disagree with that. What you can disagree with is this. The two greatest players of all time, I think, to ever touch a basketball. You can't disagree with this. I don't know how you could. Michael Jordan and LeBron James are the two greatest players ever to touch a basketball. I think that's indisputable. Whoever you put one and two, I don't, I don't really care whether you think Michael Jordan's better or LeBron James is better. Can we all agree Michael Jordan and LeBron James are the two best basketball players ever to touch a basketball? It doesn't matter who one is. They're the two best ever. Now, here's what you can disagree with. If you hate me, that's fine. What I'm going to say next, maybe you hate, maybe you disagree with. I think it's an interesting debate. If I'm starting a franchise tomorrow and I have to choose Michael Jordan or LeBron James, I'm choosing LeBron James over Michael Jordan. I would rather start a franchise with LeBron James than Michael Jordan. First of all, Michael Jordan, uh, he needed a great coach. Michael Jordan needed a great coach to win championships. He needed a great coach to say, hey, do you want to score a lot of points or do you want to win a bunch of titles? LeBron James shares the ball more. He's never had a great coach. And here's the reason, part of why my personal preference is LeBron James. Michael Jordan punched one of his teammates. You'll never see that from LeBron James. LeBron James is squeaky clean. He's lived most of his life in the spotlight, and he's been great. Michael Jordan had gambling issues, yada, yada. I would rather build my franchise around LeBron James. He's been around there longer. He's a better player for longer. I would build my franchise around LeBron James rather than Michael Jordan. However, to each their own. I think I, I hope you liked that because I think that's an interesting debate I've been holding in for months. I haven't talked about it. I know that it's such a a volatile topic. People get so angry and so heated. It's 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 as if I talked about religion or I told them about politics. People get so offended and so angry. So I wanted to bring it up. I wanted to talk about it. I thought it was a fun, healthy debate, and I hope you enjoyed that. I'm gonna take a drink of water. <laughs> So let's talk about LeBron James versus the Boston Celtics. I think it's it's quite interesting. LeBron James lost game one against the Boston Celtics. Now, I believe tonight, tonight is Tuesday. Tonight, LeBron James is going to bounce back. And I think ultimately, LeBron James is going to win the series against the Celtics in six games. That's what I believe and I predict will happen. But Brad Stevens, his scheme got LeBron James. Brad Stevens out-schemed LeBron James, and he got a, a win against him. Now, I think LeBron James, he will adjust. He'll be fine. But here's what I find really interesting from all this. From, you know, Brad Stevens and the Celtics beat LeBron James in the first game of their series. What's interesting is the Raptors couldn't. The Raptors could not beat LeBron James in game one of their series. So Dwayne Casey was just voted coach of the year by his other NBA coaches. All the NBA coaches voted Dwayne Casey NBA Coach of the Year. And then immediately following, Dwayne Casey was fired by the Raptors. <laughs> and the reason why, in my opinion, is he lost in four games to LeBron James. But the reason why he was fired was game one. See, game one, leading into the, Celtic, leading into the, the Cavs and Raptors series. Leading into that game one between LeBron James and the Toronto Raptors. LeBron James was coming off a seven-game series against the Pacers. LeBron James even said it himself. He was gassed. He was tired. The Raptors 
had time to prepare. They had, I think they had a six-game series. So they had a little bit of time to prepare and get ready for LeBron James. And let's be honest, the Raptors all year have been mentally preparing to play LeBron James in the playoffs. Nobody wants to beat LeBron James more than the Toronto Raptors. And with time to prepare, well, LeBron James didn't. The Raptors still could not beat LeBron James. In fact, they couldn't even challenge him. Now, most of this, I believe, is on DeMar DeRose and the star for the Toronto Raptors. But some of it does have to fall on Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey could not beat LeBron James in Game 1. Now, in contrast, we saw the Boston Celtics in Game 1 against LeBron James. Not just challenge him, not just push him, but they actually beat him. The Celtics beat LeBron James in Game 1 of their playoff series. And Brad Stevens was brilliant. Brad Stevens had a fantastic game plan. He beat LeBron James. I'm excited to watch. Do they do they do what the Pacers do the rest of the series? Do they make LeBron James beat them? Are they going to try to take away Kyle Korver and Kevin Love, who play this little cat and mouse game running around, setting screens for each other? I don't know. But here's what I predict. I predict in the rest of this series between the Cleveland Cavaliers, sorry, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics, two C's, it's hard to remember. The Celtics and the Cavs, I think is going to come down to six games. I'll give Brad Stevens one more game, but I think LeBron James is LeBron James. He'll adjust. Ultimately, he will beat Brad Stevens. It might go seven, but I've, it's LeBron James. I'm simply not going to bet against LeBron James. I think LeBron James beats the Celtics in six. Six, maybe seven. Maybe Brad Stevens can push it to seven. But be very clear, the reason why the Boston Celtics beat LeBron James in game one was they came out with a strategy. Now, LeBron James is going to see that strategy, adjust, and he'll come back. It's going to be a lot of, uh, what's it, back and forth. A lot of, the Celtics do this, LeBron James counters with this. Then the, the Celtics will counter again, and you're going to see a heavy back and forth between Brad Stevens mentally and LeBron James on the court. That is what I'm excited for between the Celtics and the Cavaliers in this NBA playoff series. Now, before we break, I have one more thing I want to talk about before I go to break, and then we'll get into the rest of the show, which is a lot of football, a lot of heavy stuff you guys will enjoy. <clears throat> so Dwayne Casey was voted the NBA Coach of the Year. And in fact, Brad Stevens didn't even get a single vote. And this outraged a lot of people. I, I, was, I was in Montana for the week. I got to read the narrative. I got to hear all of the narrative around that. I think what people don't realize and what people missed was when this award was voted for was about a month ago. This was a regular season award. This was voted on at the end of the regular season before the playoffs, before the Raptors got swept by LeBron, before the Celtics made a crazy run. A month ago when voting happened, Dwayne Casey was at the time the NBA coach of the year. Dwayne Casey was the most impressive coaching job we had seen in the NBA up until that point. If you remember, Dwayne Casey completely redesigned the Toronto Raptors offensive plan. He completely changed it. They went from an ISO team, a team that did a lot of isolation plays, a lot of one-on-ones, to a ball movement system. Do you understand how hard it is to change systems and still be successful? Let me give you a comparison. That's like you drove an automatic car your whole life. It was shifting the gears for you. 
Then you have to learn how to use a manual. You have to shift the gears with a clutch, do it all by yourself. And not only do you have to learn how to drive a manual car, you also have to win a race while learning how to drive a car a different way. It's the best way I can compare it to is learning a new system and then dominating is incredibly hard to do. That is what the Raptors did. The Raptors in the regular season were fantastic. So in the regular season, before the playoffs started, 100% Dwayne Casey was the coach of the year. Now, a year later, Brad Stevens obviously is the best coach in the NBA. Brad Stevens is incredible. He's basically, if you look at Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens is very similar to Bill Belichick. Whatever Bill Belichick has been doing for the last 18 years in New England, it's this. It's very, let me, let me read you the similarities. Brad Stevens has been able to and willing to lose stars. The Patriots often lose huge star for huge star. And Brad Stevens lost Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. The season's leading scorer for the Celtics did not play at all in the playoffs. And yet, the Celtics are still able to win. That is because of Brad Stevens, the Celtics head coach. Brad Stevens' whole mantra is, do your job and coaching will win. And that's what he's doing. Al Horford, if you look at the 76ers Celtics series, Al Horford dominated Joel Embiid. And that's coaching. That's the scheme. That's incredible. Brad Stevens, if you just, his philosophy is if you listen to your coach and you do your job, you will be successful. And that is why I'm so curious to watch. I'm actually glad that Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward are not in here. Because what we're going to see, we're going to see LeBron James and Brad Stevens a ton in the future. But what we really get, because we're going to see Kyrie healthy, we're going to see Gordon Hayward healthy. This year is special. (laughs) This year is. LeBron James doesn't have a lot of help. And Brad Stevens doesn't have a lot of star players. He has Jason Tatum, who's 20, I mean, 18, 20, something like that. What we get to see in the NBA playoffs in this series between the Cavaliers and the Celtics, it's LeBron James and Brad Stevens, mano y mano, one-on-one, head-to-head, very little help. It's really, can Brad Stevens' scheme beat LeBron James one-on-one? And that is what I'm so excited to see. Because I don't, I don't trust Kevin Love. I don't really trust anyone that LeBron James has to help him. And I also don't really trust... I, I like the Celtics. I'm excited for them. I think next year they're going to win the championship. But I don't really trust anybody Brad Stevens has on that team right now. So to watch two guys with very little help take each other on, one a coach, one a player, it's legendary, it's fun, it's incredible. So a story came out that Brad Stevens did not get any votes for NBA Coach of the Year. Zero coaches. No coaches voted for Brad Stevens as the NBA Coach of the Year. And People were concerned. People were trying to figure it out. What happened? It's very simple. Jealousy. This was jealousy. NBA coaches around the league can sense how good Brad Stevens is, and they don't like it. People do not like domination. People don't like when other people are elite or incredible. I went to quarterback camps growing up. I went to all kinds of them. I went to, I trained with Trent Dilfer and Sam Darnold. And at all these camps, you would see a bunch of, because there's all these groups. And it would be a bunch of average quarterbacks, myself included. I was an average quarterback. And you'd have a bunch of average quarterbacks. And then one quarterback who had like 10 college offers. So like a bunch of average quarterbacks. And then a guy that's got offers from USC, Alabama, Arizona State, on and on and on. Guys like Blake Barnett. Guys like Sam Darnold. These guys were, these teams were incredible. 
And average quarterbacks would always say, that guy's overrated. Blake Barnett's not that good. His arm isn't very strong. Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold isn't that good. Watch, they're not even going to play in college. (laughs) It's it's like, um, no, these guys have 10 to 15 scholarship offers. The reality was Sam Darnold's amazing. The reality was Blake Barnett was faster, bigger, stronger than all these guys. And all these these average quarterbacks, guys like my size, small, average, not very great quarterbacks, not terrible, but not not Blake Barnett, not Sam Darnold, not Josh Rosen. All these average quarterbacks were jealous. And so they would say guys like Blake Barnett, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, they would say that they are overrated. And it is the same exact effect with NBA coaches. Nobody likes dominance and nobody likes being, nobody likes when someone else makes them look bad. And NBA coaches aren't going to, they're not going to flock to support Brad Stevens. They're not going to say, yay, Brad Stevens, he's the best of all of us. He's better than all, even though we're older, he's younger and he's smarter than all of us. Nobody's going to say that. NBA coaches don't like Brad Stevens because nobody likes the younger guy who's dominant. It's just the truth. But Brad Stevens, in fact, the fact he got no votes makes me even feel more sure. (laughs) Brad Stevens is absolutely the best coach in the entire NBA. All right, I'm going to take a short break. I need water. I need to slow down when I'm talking. Um, The second half of this podcast is absolutely jam-packed. I'm so excited. I'm going to give you guys an argument in favor of Baker Mayfield. I'm going to give you guys a fun Steeler story. I'm going to talk about Should the Oklahoma City Thunder trade Russell Westbrook? I have a whole debate. I'm going to share both sides. I'm going to tell you what I would do. We're going to talk about a lot more football also. I'm going to tell you why Josh Josh Allen, Josh Allen, the quarterback from Wyoming, the guy who the Buffalo Bills drafted, I'm going to tell you why. Josh Allen's huge arm does not matter. It should be good. We got a lot of good stuff ahead. Remember, You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, help me grow this show by telling your friends about it. Help me grow. Tell your friends. Share it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. When I was in high school, I watched a documentary called The Brady Six. It was fantastic. I recommend you watch it, actually. I recommend you go watch The Brady Six. You don't need to, you don't need to pause this podcast, nothing like that. But someday when you have a chance, if you ever see it, it's on YouTube, go watch The Brady Six. It's a documentary about the six quarterbacks that were drafted before Tom Brady. Tom Brady was the 199th pick in the sixth round. There were six quarterbacks drafted ahead of him. And Brady always felt like Tom Brady always felt like he was overlooked. There's a key quote in this documentary. It's somebody talking. I can't remember who it is. Somebody's talking about Tom Brady. It might be his dad. And the key quote is that this person talking about Brady says, everybody forgot to measure what's inside. They didn't measure his heart. Now, it's important to point out, you know, I. I do not believe quarterbacks have to be big. I don't believe quarterbacks have to have strong arms. I think there are three things that are very important for quarterbacks. You got to have leadership qualities. You have to have great work ethic. And you need to have poise in the moment. When the going gets tough, you know, your plane's crashing 
Are you going to be calm and make everything happen? Or are you going to freak out and panic? In the fourth quarter, when there are two minutes left, how do you respond? Again, work ethic, leadership, and poise in the moment. So I was a small quarterback. I, I was overlooked in high school because I was small. And part of why I don't buy into Josh Allen, Josh Allen, the quarterback out of Wyoming, is, you know, he has this big arm. Woo, he's got this great arm. We'll see. I don't think, I don't think having a great arm means you are a great quarterback. So I want to use all of this information and make a compelling argument for why the Browns may have done the right thing by drafting Baker Mayfield. Because everybody in the NFL can throw. Everybody at an NFL level is certainly capable of running an NFL offense. It comes down to what's inside. Do you have heart? Are you a great leader? Do you have poise in the moment? And do you have great work ethic? Notice none of those things are height. None of those things are arm strength. They're all about what's inside. Do you have heart? Can you measure what's inside of somebody? How hard do you work? Do people follow you? So Drew Bledsoe, he was once Tom Brady's quarterback. Tom Brady was Drew Bledsoe's backup his first year with the New England Patriots. Tom Brady, uh, Drew, sorry, Drew Bledsoe was talking about Tom Brady and he said he did not feel threatened by Tom Brady. Tom Brady was a skinny nobody in his first year in the NFL. But in the offseason, Tom Brady worked his butt off. And so when he came back year two in the preseason, he surprised everybody. He was just lighting people up because he'd done all the work on his own. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time because of what's inside, because of his heart. Not his, not his height, not his arm strength, not because he was big. And maybe when the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield, it's very possible. You can make this a very good argument. Maybe the Browns simply began to value something and they were the first team to value what's inside rather than what you can measure. Maybe, in fact, the Browns began to value what matters most when it comes to quarterbacks. Again, even by this metric, I'd still choose Sam Darnold. Even by arm strength, work ethic, and leadership, I would still choose Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's my guy. I met him in high school. I think he has it. Whatever it is, I think in the moment, Sam Darnold will deliver. But this argument can be made to support the Browns' decision to draft Baker Mayfield. Again, if you go by this metric, these three things that matter most, leadership, work ethic, and do you have poise in the moment, there's a great argument for why Baker Mayfield might be the perfect quarterback to draft number one overall. Baker Mayfield has the best stats. He won a ton in college. He, In fact, he beat Ohio State in Ohio State, Sam Darnold couldn't even beat Ohio State. Here's where I agree with John Dorsey's assessment of quarterbacks. Because I do not believe quarterbacks need to have strong arms like Josh Allen. They don't need to have cannons. They don't need to be big and huge. Again, there are three things that every great all-time quarterback must have. Leadership, work ethic, and poise. And again, poise in the moment. When everything's going wrong in the fourth quarter, it's fourth down, 37 seconds left. Do you freeze up or are you calm, relaxed, and do you make it happen? Poise in the moment, leadership, and work ethic. Those are the three things. Every great quarterback, Troy Aikman, everybody, they all have these three things. And if you judge quarterbacks that way, you can make a very compelling argument that the Browns made the right decision when they drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall. Now, was drafting Baker Mayfield a risk? Sure, of course it was. 
But anytime you make any decision, it's a risk, whether you're buying a car or a house, anytime you make a big decision like this, of course it's a risk. Was drafting Baker Mayfield more of a risk than Sam Darnold? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't really think so. I think the only argument for that would be that, you know, Baker Mayfield's smaller, so maybe he'll struggle in bad weather, question mark. But here's the thing. Baker Mayfield has overcome the odds every step of the way. Every time the wall is too high for Baker Mayfield to climb, he does it anyways. In high school, in college, he walked on twice. And now in the NFL, why would it stop now? When Baker Mayfield has always overcome the odds, why would he stop now? I don't want to bet against Baker Mayfield. I really don't. Especially when Baker Mayfield proves everybody wrong every step of the way. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to bet against Baker Mayfield. So I like Baker Mayfield. I don't, I don't think it was a terrible pick. That's my, that's my argument. I think that's why maybe Baker Mayfield could have been the right decision. Because again, it matters what's inside. That is the most important thing for quarterbacks. Josh Allen, the quarterback in Buffalo, that could be the biggest bust in years. What makes a great quarterback? Do you have poise in the moment, leadership, and do you have a good work ethic? And I believe Baker Mayfield has all three. And that's what matters most when it comes to designing and building a great quarterback. Those are the three most important traits. Now, I want to remind you guys of the Broncos. The Broncos drafted Bradley Chubb. So now the Broncos have a stable quarterback and two great pass rushers, Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. So the Broncos are not going to win a Super Bowl. I do not believe the Broncos will win a Super Bowl, but the Broncos will win a lot of games. You ever see the memes? Could have been us, but you playing? Like, it's like a, that you could, it could have been us, but you, you never took it seriously. The Broncos formula that they have to win could have been the Browns, but they decided not to. Remember, the Browns drafted Denzel Ward rather than Bradley Chubb. Now, I want to tread very lightly. I want to be very careful because I don't want to criticize the Browns heavily. I don't. I think Denzel Ward's a good player. Denzel Ward could be a pro bowler. So I don't think the Browns massively screwed up when they drafted Denzel Ward rather than Bradley Chubb. He's a good corner. The problem is it's really hard to impact wins if you are a corner. Now, you can argue defensive ends don't impact wins either. I mean, the Browns drafted Miles Garrett, and they didn't win a single game. But I will say this. Quarterback is the most important position in all of football. You'd agree with me. I agree with you. Everybody can agree. In football, in the game of football, quarterback is the most important position. So that means the guy getting after the quarterback on defensive line is the next most important position, followed by the tackles who are defending the quarterback. Again, the three most important positions in football, quarterback, defensive end, and the tackle, the guy who blocks the defensive end. So I can live with the Browns drafting Baker Mayfield. Over, I don't mind. They chose Baker Mayfield rather than Sam Darnold. Fine. That, that's Okay. But the puzzling and semi-concerning pick that the Cleveland Browns made on draft day was they chose Denzel Ward over Bradley Chubb. When I, I took a week off, as I sat and thought about it, this was the draft pick I was concerned with. This is the draft pick I was like, hmm, that's weird. Now, I want to be clear, drafting Denzel Ward was not a terrible draft pick. It's not bad. It's not the end of the world. Denzel Ward will be a productive player. 
But when you see the Broncos winning games because they have a stable quarterback and two defensive ends, remember, that could have been the Browns. The Browns could have had Miles Garrett and Bradley Chubb and a stable quarterback, Baker Mayfield slash Tyrod Taylor, whoever it is. The formula the Browns are going to, the formula the Broncos are going to use to win could have been the Browns, and they chose Denzel Ward rather than Bradley Chubb. <clears throat> okay, I want to discuss the Steelers. I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, during the NFL draft, during the NFL draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers traded away their receiver Martavis Bryant to the Oakland Raiders. Such a great move. Such a great move. So happy they did this. If you remember, if you recall, the Steelers drafted Martavis Bryant in the fourth round. And what they did, they traded him to the Raiders and they got a third round pick for him. Basically, they used Martavis Bryant for a couple of years, then used him to get an even better pick than they used for him. They got value for him. And I want to applaud the Steelers for getting rid of him. Well done, Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm so, so happy that the Pittsburgh Steelers traded away Martavis Bryant. I said it months ago. I'll say it again. If you remember, if you recall, Martavis Bryant threatened the Steelers. <clears throat> Martavis Bryant told the Steelers, hey, if you don't throw me the ball more, I want you to trade me. Get me out of here. I want the ball more or else. And you can't negotiate with people like that. When someone threatens you, you can't negotiate with them. It doesn't work. And my friend's boyfriend, she recently told her, he recently told her, do this or else I will break up with you. And she started changing all of her behavior. She was posting different pictures on Instagram, showing, you know, I have friends. See, I'm not, I'm not an introvert. She's doing all kinds of stuff, changing her behavior to make this guy stay with her. You can't do that. You can't work with people who threaten you. It doesn't work. Relationships, business, anything. If someone threatens you, it's over. You got to end it. You got to cut the tie. I told this girl, hey, break up with him. You can't make him happy. Because when does the line end? He'll hold that over you forever. It's why you don't negotiate with terrorists. If you give them what they want, what will stop them from just asking for more? If someone's threatening you, you just can't work with them. You got to move on. You got to cut the tie, find someone else. And the Pittsburgh Steelers moved on from Martavis Bryant. I want to applaud them. Job well done. Great job, Pittsburgh Steelers. You cannot work with people who threaten you. And the Pittsburgh Steelers decided not to work with Martavis Bryant. And honestly, Martavis Bryant got what he wanted. He's going to go to an angry, mean coach, John Gruden. And he's going to have a good quarterback. And the Steelers got rid of a headache. The Steelers saved themselves all kind of heartache, all kind of headache. They don't have to deal with Martavis Bryant anymore. I'm so happy, so glad the Steelers traded away Martavis Bryant. Great, brilliant, great move. <clears throat> Do you guys know the definition of insanity? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting a different result. You keep trying the same thing over and over and over again. And the same, king, the same thing keeps happening. You put in red, red comes out. Every time you put in red, red's going to come out. <laughs> you're, you're furious. You're like, why? Why is this happening? I put in this thing and out comes the same exact result. So the Oklahoma City Thunder have Russell Westbrook. And 
they've tried pairing Russell Westbrook with other stars, and it just doesn't work. And so this is the narrative I'm hearing. Everyone's saying, hey, Russell Westbrook doesn't work. Russell Westbrook can't win a championship. People are saying this now. He didn't work with Kevin Durant. Russell Westbrook couldn't win with James Harden, Victor Oladipo. And now Russell Westbrook once again couldn't work with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. And some people believe, that some people are writing and saying this. Hey, Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook cannot win a championship. You got to blow it up. You got to trade Russell Westbrook away. I'm reading this. I'm reading all these narratives. You got to trade away Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook just can't win. Mm, this always happens. This always, always happens. People, people just have a tendency to overreact. It's a classic overreaction. Just because, you know, Russell Westbrook can't win a championship, so we got to trade him away. We must trade Russell Westbrook. I agree. I agree. Russell Westbrook will never win an NBA championship. But there is no way in hell. There is no way I would ever trade away Russell Westbrook. Not in a million years. You're not going to catch me trading away Russell Westbrook. I repeat. The Oklahoma City Thunder should not trade away Russell Westbrook. My first question is this. Who are you going to replace him with? <laughs> like, who are you going to find? Nobody. There's nobody out there. There's no replacement for Russell Westbrook. This reminds me when, when Cowboys fans at the end of last year were all screaming, Fire Jason Garrett. You got to get rid of Jason Garrett. Well, who are you going to replace him with? Relax. Take a deep breath. Put on your thinking cap. Let's really think about this. Is anybody else out there better than Russell Westbrook? Is anybody going to come in and replace Russell Westbrook? No. It's not, it doesn't exist. The guy isn't out there. Let's be very honest. Currently, in Russell West, in Oklahoma City, life is good. Oklahoma City Thunder, they're winning games. They're selling jerseys. They make the playoffs sometimes. Life is good. And if you stick with Russell Westbrook... <clears throat> For the next three to four years, you're going to make the playoffs. You're not going to win a championship, but you're going to be competitive. You're going to be in the hunt. Your team is going to be interesting. And that's all anybody can ask for in sports. If you're an owner, all you can ask for is for your team to be in the hunt and be interesting. You love championships, but the next best thing is making a ton of money, selling a ton of jerseys, selling out your stadium, and having people interested watching your team. That is exactly what's happening to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, in three to four years, as Russell Westbrook ages, his body's going to change. He's not going to be able to keep it up. Because right now, Russell Westbrook plays 110% every single snap, every single moment of every single game. He's like an energizer bunny just running all over the place. That will not last. But currently, life is good. And if I'm the Oklahoma City Thunder, there is no way in the world I would get rid of Russell Westbrook. He cannot win you a title. <laughs> like, like Russell Westbrook, not winning a title anytime soon. But in comparison, in contrast, would you rather be the Phoenix Suns, who have no interest? I've never even seen them on TV. No, you do not want to be the Phoenix Suns. You don't want to be the Brooklyn Nets or the Sacramento Kings. Right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder are relevant. And without Russell Westbrook, the Oklahoma City Thunder are nothing. And that is why I would not trade 
away Russell Westbrook. I would simply never, ever trade Russell Westbrook if I was the Oklahoma City Thunder. No way in the world. We got three three topics left. Um, there are there are two things I'm just tired of hearing. Two things I just can't. I hear them all the time. I can't. I'm done. Like I can't hear them anymore. Everyone always says to me, "Winning in the NBA regular season matters," and I, I just don't buy it anymore. And the other one is this: Everyone always says, "Quarterbacks with great strong arms, they are the way to win." No, I, I don't buy it. So I want to start here. Please stop telling me that winning in the regular season matters. It doesn't. It does not matter. Right now, the Houston Rockets, the Houston Rockets went 65 and 17. And the Houston Rockets are about to lose to the Golden State Warriors. It will happen. And the Raptors, the Raptors won the NBA Eastern Conference. The Raptors had the best record in the Eastern Conference. They got swept by LeBron James in four games. Now, I repeat, the Rockets had the best record in the West. The Raptors had the best record in the East. And yet neither team will be in the NBA Finals. Clearly to me, winning in the NBA regular season does not matter. Never again. Never again tell me how great a team is because they're winning games in the regular season. You know what team won the most games ever in the regular season? (laughs) The Golden State Warriors in 2015 won 73 games. They set a record. They won more regular season games than any team ever. And yet they did not win an NBA championship. Says it all right there. It's kind of like getting A's in college. I just don't think it matters. Like getting good grades in college, unless you're a doctor, unless you're trying to get into grad school, doesn't matter. If you're just trying to get a business degree, bachelor's degree, just get it and leave. Your grades don't matter. I know people that get straight C's. And yet they are far better at their job. They're far better at making videos. They're far better at this or that than the next guy who got straight A's. They're happier. They have better lives. And they're better at their job. Getting great Getting straight A's in college, unless you're a doctor, unless you're trying to go to medical school or grad school, it doesn't matter. The same way that winning in the regular season does not matter. It does not mean you'll win a championship. So next year, when the NBA regular season comes around and there's a team just dominating everybody, do they have LeBron? Are they the Golden State Warriors? Then I don't care. I just don't buy it. I'm not going to listen to it because I'm so sick and tired every year. This team, the Rockets are great. The Raptors are incredible. Yeah, the Raptors aren't crap. The Raptors are out of the playoffs. They're not. It didn't work. They're not winning. So never again tell me that winning in the NBA regular season matters. Because let me tell you definitively. Let me tell you 100% winning in the NBA regular season does not matter. Now the other thing everyone always tells me, everyone always wants to say this. I'm often told how important a quarterback's arm strength is. Now, I want to be very clear. There is a lot riding on the quarterback, Josh Allen, from Wyoming. He was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. He will be a rookie this year. Everyone told me Josh Allen's arm strength is incredible. He's got a howitzer. He can throw, 
He he doesn't just hit a barn. He can throw the ball through the wall of the barn. Um. Now I told everybody, hey, I would take Lamar Jackson over Josh Allen. But regardless, Josh Allen, top ten pick, picked by the Buffalo Bills, and Josh Allen has this huge arm. I do not believe Josh Allen's cannon for an arm. I don't believe Josh Allen's incredible arm strength matters at all. Here are the other quarterbacks. Everyone said, these guys have huge arms. These guys have incredibly strong arms. Let me name a few names. Uh, Jay Cutler. Yeah, how many playoff wins does he have? (laughs) He doesn't have any. Or uh, Matthew Stafford. How many playoff wins does Matthew Stafford have? Oh, crickets, none. Oh, uh, uh, Joe Flacco! Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. How's he doing? Oh, he's, he's not doing very well. Uh, Joe Flacco's about to lose his starting job to uh, Lamar Jackson. Or oh, even Brett Favre. Brett Favre has this legendarily strong arm. Even Brett Favre underachieved. So if Josh Allen fails, if Josh Allen is not a successful NFL quarterback, never again, never again tell me how great a quarterback's arm strength is. Because it does not matter. I do not care how strong a quarterback's arm is. Great quarterbacks have these three qualities. They have leadership, they have work ethic, and they have poise in the moment. When the going gets tough, they elevate. They're good in boiler pressure cooker moments. Notice, I did not say arm strength. I did not say all great quarterbacks have a strong arm because they don't. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, maybe the two greatest quarterbacks of all time. Did not have incredibly strong arms. Just because a guy looks great in gym shorts. So what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean he's a great quarterback. (laughs) Josh Allen looks the part for sure. Didn't work. You know, Ryan Leaf, you ever seen Ryan Leaf back in the day? He looked like an NFL quarterback. He had a howitzer. He had an incredibly strong arm. Ryan Leaf didn't work because what's inside matters more. A strong-armed quarterback does not mean you are a good quarterback. If Josh Allen does not succeed in the NFL, I never, ever, ever want to hear again about how strong a quarterback's arm is because it does not matter. What's inside matters more. Every great quarterback has these three traits. Once again, leadership, work ethic, and poise in the moment. Never again tell me about how strong a quarterback's arm is, especially not if Josh Allen fails. Because then, it clearly does not matter at all. Because Josh Allen has the strongest arm I've ever seen in the entire NFL. So never again tell me how great a quarterback's arm is. I just do not care. And the last thing, the last thing's a little more... I know I was harsh, maybe the tone of that last segment. The last thing I want to talk about is, is, uh, is awesome. It's really good for baseball. I want to rewind the clock. If, if we go back about... It was about 15, 16 games into... The MLB regular season. I remember the Red Sox were 14-2. and two. The narrative was the Red Sox will win the World Series. The Red Sox are incredible. And the narrative around the Yankees were, oh my God, the Yankees. The Yankees are awful. They're a one-legged stool and nobody wants a one-legged stool. Never mind the fact that, oh, oh by the way, New York had snow. <laughs> like, uh, you can't really play baseball in snow, but it uh, didn't matter. Everybody panicked. The Yankees were awful. Everyone said, oh, the Yankees were terrified about the Yankees. Mm, I, I said, I said, hey, relax. They'll be fine. John Carlos Stanton, he'll be fine. Everybody will be fine. Now, uh, I just want to say, I told you so. 
I told you. I told everybody. Dude, the Yankees are back. Right now, currently, the teams with the, the two teams with the best records in baseball. As of this morning, they were tied. They're not going to be anymore. The Yankees and the Red Sox have the two best records in baseball. They're tied atop the AL East. It's incredible. I love it. I love it. In May alone, the Yankees are 10-2. and two. They're winning and winning and winning. All, both teams are just winning like crazy. The Red Sox and the Yankees are the two best teams in Major League Baseball. <laughs> and everyone said, months ago, everyone's like, oh, the Yankees are going to be awful. I told you, they're, they're fine. I believed in the Yankees from day one. And it's funny, you know, I, I don't even, I'm not even a Yankees fan. I don't even like the Yankees. Growing up, I hated the Yankees. But man, is it good baseball. Man, is it fun to watch. Rivalries like this, the Yankees and the Red Sox, I could not ask for anything better. I couldn't pray for better. It's awesome. It's exciting, man. It's so cool. Right now, Aaron Judge has 11 home runs for the Yankees. At the same time, John Carlos Stanton has 10. <laughs> and for context, right now, Bryce Harper is tied for the most home runs in Major League Baseball. He has 13. So, I mean, the Yankees are just killing it right now. And God, I hope, oh, I hope that Bryce Harper goes to the Yankees next offseason. Can you imagine if three of the best home run hitters in all of baseball were all on the same team? I don't know if that would work. I, logistically, I have no idea, but I don't care. Like, it's, like a, it's like a bad science experiment. Just pour it all in. Let's see what happens. I want to see that. I think that would be incredible. But honestly, I just love it. I, I, there are, are three things right now that make me care about baseball. Shohei Otani. Bryce Harper, and the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. Those three things that otherwise I don't care about baseball. Regular season, there's 162 games. I'm not going to watch all of them. I don't care. I gave up on the Mariners years ago. uh, I'm just, (laughs) I'm so excited right now for the Yankees and the Red Sox. It's so good for baseball. Rivalries like that are fantastic, and I'm so excited for the the future of these two teams because they look like they're both at early stages. They're both going to be great maybe for years, and that, praise God. (laughs) It's so great. That's what I want to see. I want to see baseball's better when the Yankees and Red Sox matter. College football's better when Alabama and Michigan are better. And the NFL's better when the Patriots and, I don't know, there's not, the NFL's different. It's a different league. But man, the Lakers are great in basketball. It makes basketball that much better. So I'm very excited that right now the Yankees and the Red Sox just look fantastic. All right. Uh, Tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to talk about the Giants. Tomorrow, I'm doing another podcast tomorrow. I know, two days in a row, back to back, bang, bang. I was so much prepared, I couldn't do, like, I could do a three-hour podcast, but I don't think anybody wants that. I want to get this out and do that tomorrow. So tomorrow, on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to talk about the New York Giants. I looked at their schedule. Oh, God, it's going to be a long year for Giants fans. They think I'm trolling them. I'm not. I'm just, they keep watching. They keep yelling at me. I keep making videos about them, so whatever. Mark Ingram was suspended for four games by the NFL, and that obviously changes my Super Bowl predictions. I'm going to start doing a new thing. I'm going to give you my top 10 teams in the NFL. I'll do it every week during the NFL season, and until leading up to August, leading up to the NFL season, I'm going to continually update you. Like Every time something happens, maybe a quarterback gets hurt or they tr- there's a big trade, I'll update. These are my new 10 best teams in the NFL. Tomorrow, I'm going to show you some fun Josh Rosen stuff. I'm going to respond to some comments from you guys because I get get a lot of bad comments. Oh, my God. I I get great comments. I'm probably not going to talk about those. I'm going to talk about the 
ridiculously bad <laughs> I get dumb comments that I get. That'll be fun. I just I have so much more planned for tomorrow. I'm really excited. It's going to be an amazing summer. It really is. Uh, please tell me, what do you want behind me? Because this is a yellow, beige, I don't know what color wall. It's just a boring wall. And if you want something behind me, tell me. Because I, I, I'm not very creative. I just don't care. But if you care, maybe you want something else. Tell me what you want to see behind my back on YouTube. All right. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as SoundCloud, iTunes, everywhere else. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about the show. Share it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow by telling your friends about the show. That's everything I have. Thank you so much, man. It's been... My counter says an hour 26. I bet I cut out about 15 minutes of that. I don't know. We'll see. Because uh, I did stop. You know, I took a break. I didn't stop the counter. So we'll, I don't know how long this podcast is. Um, I'm just excited, man. It's uh, going to be a really fantastic summer. It, it just is going to be so much fun. I have so much creative stuff planned, and I can't wait to share with you guys. So thank you so much. That is all I have for today, May 15th. I'll see you guys tomorrow. But I'm bum. Bam, we're done.